So the first call, I don't, I don't think I said my name. I think somebody hung up. Like the first, it was like, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like about to cry. I was like, oh my gosh. But the more and more and more I put a script together, then you know what? I started getting not hang ups, like people hanging up in my face. I started asking them how they were doing. Because mm. see, in the investment banking world, it's, they're not, they're not too nice. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's about money and it's a lot of money. A lot of cussing. So, so it's just, nobody has patience and time. And I, I get it now. Back then I didn't, but I'd be like, well, how's your day? And I'd be like, well, dang, I can't hang up on her. And they'd be like, well, I'm doing good. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to raise, I'm, I need a hundred million dollars for this particular project. And I'm like, okay, well send me the information over. So I started getting more comfortable. They started asking me questions. Mm-hmm. So then I started learning on the next calls. These, this is what I'm putting out because mm-hmm. I was every call. I learned something. I was learning something because they kept asking me different questions about the project or about the particulars. So I started becoming more and more comfortable and more confident. So that was my first taste of really raising capital. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the More Rounds Podcast. I'm Kim Lewis, your host, CEO and co-founder of Chromix. And today, we are going to learn about how to fund your business, whether that be debt, cash flow, or raising an investment. And today, we have none other than Miss Davon Reeves here, the hotel queen, you guys. All right, so let's get into it. Before we do, we have to toast. Ooh, toast wine. Yes, because it's more Toast round. to money, baby. Oh, wait, one more wait what are we toasting to? You got to say cheers. Okay, cheers. There we go. I'll take it. Okay, so Damon, tell me about yourself. Quick background. What did you do before? What do you do now? So I like this setup. You want me to tell me about myself after I have a sip of wine? I mean, just you can have let, another sip and then just tell the, me. Just, just, just the letter. Just lay it all out there. Lay it, give you all the tea. But thank you so much for having me, Kim. My name is Davon Rees, also known as the Hotel Queen. I've been in the hotel industry for over 15 years. I started off as a front desk agent and I navigated my way from front desk to owning to co-owning three hotels across two different states. And uh, last year in 2022, I launched a crowdfunding platform or Reg CF uh, called Vester and actually for and you can invest in commercial real estate or raise capital for commercial real estate. So I'm proud to say we are one of the first black owned and women owned crowdfunding platforms for commercial real estate. I'm a, I know this is audio, but I'm a clap. Thank you. Thank Be, you. <laughs> because what this means, you guys, is that she's been approved by FINRA. Yeah. Uh, that means she deals with the SEC. That yes. means that launching a crowdfunding platform is incredibly hard to do. Yeah. So few people actually do it, and then let alone any anybody black. And, you know, we don't get funding like other folks. So I'm yeah. so impressed by what you've done. Thank uh, you. Honestly, it's a little bit of a dream to mine to launch a crowdfunding platform. So I'm, like, really, really impressed. Thank um, you. Can you tell us how you got there? So tell us your background in, in, in the hotel industry and how you landed on crowdfunding for commercial real estate. Yeah, so I never, I didn't know anything about crowdfunding, right? And so how I raised capital for my first hotel, uh, we had to raise close to a million dollars. Actually, it was like probably a little bit over 900000 um, that we had to raise to be exact. How old were you? I was 32, Okay, and you were were you in real estate leading up to this raising or no? This was your first. Real this estate? was my first. So this was 
good question. So this was my first time raising capital on my own. Prior to me, uh, when I was working in asset management or working as an analyst or a consultant, what we would do, we would hire out people to mm-hmm. actually raise capital. So known oh. as capital markets, and they will essentially be brokers, and they will go out and raise hundreds and millions of dollars. So I didn't in really. How much were they making off that? Like the like percentage, percent? yeah, they were make, it varies per deal, but you know, there'll be exclusive deal and they'll take, you know, probably what two to three points or, you know, okay. it, it, it just depends, depends. Of course, the larger the amount, the, the smaller the point. So one project, um, my first project that I worked on where I really understood raising capital when this is when I was an intern. So backstory from when I transitioned from working the front desk to getting into the hotel ownership, I took a non-paid internship. And uh, this is where I learned about, you know, public-private partnerships, really the real estate, the ownership side. And during this internship, um, this is where I, this is my introduction to raising capital. I didn't know it at the time. So one of the clients, he needed to raise $100 million. Okay. But he didn't want to use a broker. He didn't want to use the capital <laughs> okay. markets that I talked about. He was like, oh, we'll just get Devon to call. I'm like, what? <laughs> Not you intern. Me? And I'm, like, intern. I'm gonna get you to raise a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I'm gonna get you to raise a hundred million. Like it was nothing. And it, so it's my a good crash course though. So it was a great crash, and he was a billionaire. Okay. So he was like, oh no, this is what you say. How did you get to work in this man's office? In the the consultant. So and how old were you as his intern? I was. 22, 23. Okay. So this was after graduation. And you graduated from Georgia State. Graduated from Georgia State. Where does where where this me meeting a billionaire come from at 22? So I took, uh, after I graduated from uh, college, I was still working in the front office at the Hyatt Regency Atlanta. So okay. I started there when I was like 19 or something like that. You were working like at that. the front desk in a hotel. There we go. There uh-huh. we go. And that's how you meet rich people. That too. Okay. So I was able to get comfortable with dealing with a lot of millionaires and billionaires. I didn't know there was millionaires and billionaires at the time checking them in, but that's how I got comfortable. And then um, a friend of mine who was on maternity leave, uh, she was like, hey, there's this internship that I think that you should take advantage of. And you can learn about hotel ownership. Because I wanted to be, at that time, a hotel owner. And she was like, you should take advantage of this this um, internship opportunity. And I said, okay, it's not paid. And so I basically, I was very persistent because the owner of this consulting firm didn't hire me. So, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but I got turned down for a non-paid internship. It was like, how do you say, <laughs> how do you <laughs> That's not embarrassing. But hey, I was persistent. So I fought hard for my, um, I don't take no for an answer. And so I was very persistent. I was showing up at events. I was like emailing and calling them because I knew this was going to be my ticket. To basically get me on this couch, pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Um, this okay. is gonna be my ticket. Vision. There we go. My ticket to owning a hotel. And so I finally got the internship, and because um, he was like, clearly you're not gonna take no for an answer. And so I got the internship, and so his client was the billionaire. Ah. So that's how I met. So this is my first time meeting a billionaire that I probably knew was a billionaire, and he wanted to raise capital. He needed to raise like a hundred, I think it was like a hundred million dollars or $150 million for a hotel he was developing. Okay. And so he didn't want to pay someone to raise the capital. Okay. 
So he had the because debt. I mean, if he was if you're doing two or three points, let's say if it's two percent of a hundred million dollars, I'm gonna owe somebody two million dollars for raising this capital. But if I'm one one, you working for free? I get Davon to do it. I'm saving two million dollars. Right. You know? And of course, I didn't think anything. I'm like, sure, well, why not? Because you didn't have no value. To I add didn't yet. have any value. Yes, yeah, so of know. course. I mean, so, yes, you are valuable as a human. But, but at the time, I you know I yes. didn't know. I didn't know. Yes, yes. So anyway, so after about three, of course, my dad wasn't too happy about that. He was like, "What do you mean working for free?" So then about three months, but you're um, learning. You're paying for education. I mean, you, you yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, in my mind, I was like, whatever, I'm learning, you know, anyway. So he basically told me they had a list of all of these like different investment banks. And I was scared at first. I was like, this is like the vice president of this bank and the senior vice president. I'm like, all like intimidated, of course, because I was like, you want me to call him? Like one of them was like the president of the bank and the CEO. And he just had a list of all these different banks. And he said, just call them. And just tell me you you need a hundred million dollars. <laughs> you know what's so funny to me? People don't realize that raising money is literally just asking people for money. Yeah. Like, yeah, they need to know some financials and some numbers and stuff, but you are literally you have to have the gumption to ask for so it, money. But it helped me build my confidence though. Mm. So the first call, I don't I don't think I said my name. I think somebody hung up. Like the first <laughs> it was like, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like about to cry. I was like, oh my gosh. But the more and more and more I put a script together then you know what I started getting not hang-ups like people hanging up in my face I started asking them how they were doing because mm. see in the investment banking world it's they're not they're not too nice like mm-hmm. it's just it's about money and it's a lot of money a lot of cussing so, so it's just nobody has patience and time and I, I get it now back then I didn't but I'll be like well how's your day and I'll be like well dang I can't hang up on her and they'll be like well I'm doing good. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to raise, I'm, I need a hundred million dollars for this particular project. And they're like, okay, well send me the information over. So I started getting more comfortable. They started asking me questions. Mm-hmm. So then I started learning on the next calls. These, this is what I'm putting out because mm-hmm. I was every call. I learned something. I was learning something because they kept asking me different questions about the project or about the particulars. So I started becoming more and more comfortable and more confident so that was my first taste of really raising capital. Did you raise the hundred million dollars? No, we didn't raise it. We ended up working with the capital markets person. Um, and just without saying too much about the deal, he wanted to go a different route with the raising the capital. Eventually they end up raising the capital, yeah. but they end up working with the county and it was like a bond structure. And we were able to get we were able to get some money through through make through me making cold calls. Mm, okay, so you were like a warm intro kind of. It was of. like a warm intro. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Watching on YouTube unfortunately is not enough. If you've learned anything from my podcast, please 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 leave me a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I would be so appreciative and you would help further the progress of this podcast. Now back to the episode. So then you did this internship and then afterwards it didn't necessarily it, did it catapult you to your next deal or not it, really? Not the next deal. It catapulted to my next job. So I was there. I, I was. I did the non-paid internship for like three months. And then I stayed there for two years. I, got, I ended up starting getting paid. And then I moved to Boston. And so there I was overseeing or help overseeing projects that were like up to a billion dollars. And again, okay. we had to help raise capital for different deals. So working with brokers. So I wasn't cold calling. People were getting paid to do it. <laughs> so, but I saw what a pitch deck looked like. I understood the complexities of it. Like I understood it a little bit. Yeah. But I didn't think about it, bringing it down to like raising a million dollars until I had to raise money for my own deal. Gotcha. Okay. And so how long are you in the source? So you were 22 and then the next job is at what? 
it was like what 20 23 because I was in Boston I moved to Boston when I was 24 so when did you buy your first hotel I bought my first hotel when I was 33 uh okay so you were in the game helping people raise money for their deals in the capital markets for almost a decade yeah. and then you bought your first hotel mm-hmm. and so without was, capital markets but, but but at that point you probably had connections and you knew people exactly so yep. it was a it lot was easier e- to- it was easier I knew people um we and we found the deal through a broker um, I built, um, at that time it was during COVID. Okay. And so no one really on social media was talking about hotel ownership, especially black. Yeah. And so I was able to gain an audience. And so people, a lot of people didn't realize that you can invest in a hotel. And so when I, when the deal came, I was like, you know, for the people who were in my community, I was like, it's a hotel investment opportunity. And that's and so we were able to raise the capital through just a, a, a simple uh, friends and family raise. And see, I'm so ignorant when it comes to things like that, like real estate, because I just know e-commerce, digital marketing. Mm-hmm. I, like I know crowdfunding. I don't really know any much about real estate. Yeah. But when you say this, I'm thinking so it would be intimidating for me. But you've been in the industry for 10 years, so you're like, just like it ain't what nothing you do, about it would be hotel. intimidating to me. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, too much. That's so funny. So I have a question. You have. Three hotels, right? Yeah, three hotels. Do you still own those hotels, or did you have to divest because you were doing the crowdfunding? No, no, I still own them. I still, but I cannot raise any. So if I was to buy another hotel, I wouldn't be able to put it on my crowdfunding platform. But I put a hold on me buying any more hotels because I really wanted to focus on Vester. Got you. And yeah. for those hotels that you bought or you co-own, are they like funding your lifestyle right now, or no? Are they just future investments? These are more future investments. How I was set up. This is more of a a future future kind of, but. I would say combination of both. I'm really using this more of like a retirement. I'm gotcha. not. So they don't pay you anything right now. We we get paid out. You get paid but out. But I'm using that for my retirement. Ah, uh, does, does that make sense? But other people might be living on that. Other, you can if you do buy a hotel, you can live off of it. Okay. Uh, how much? If uh, give me, can you give me the numbers? You don't have to give me your numbers, but like if I bought a hotel, maybe it's it costs ten million dollars. I have to put up a million. I don't know how much I would have to put up to buy a hotel. Mm-hmm. How much am I making as a hotel owner? annually so it depends right okay so walk you through the numbers walk you through the numbers so let's say if you have a hotel and it's bringing a million dollars of revenue mm-hmm. and then 20 percent profit margin that's pretty good so that's two hundred thousand a year mm-hmm. some people they can live off of that um so let's say if you multiply that by three hotels that's what six hundred thousand how much do i need to buy a hotel that does a million in revenue a year you probably could get a hotel at about what maybe about six or seven million. So six or seven million, mm-hmm. it'll make a million in revenue a year. Mm-hmm. How much money do I need to put down to buy that hotel? Typically you need about twenty percent. Okay, so it's like buying a house. It's like, like a, buying a house. Commercial real estate. Okay. Yeah, it's commercial real estate. So you need about twenty. If it's an if it's an acquisition, it's probably gonna be like twenty to twenty five percent. It's a development, meaning you're developing it from the ground up is more like thirty percent. So running a hotel is just like running a big Airbnb, big Airbnb. Pretty much. It's pretty different. Okay, this is the way less than I thought. That, and, it, and see, the thing is with the difference between a hotel and Airbnb or a short-term rentals, with hotels, you have the regulate. You know, all these regulations are popping up for Airbnb. Well, hotels is organizations like the American Hotel Lodging Association and, and AHOA. They have lobbyist group. They can fight. Because, see, Airbnbs and short-term rentals, they're essentially taking money out from hotel owners and they don't have to be regulated. So that's not fair to someone like myself yeah. who we're heavy regulated. We have to have handicap access. we have all these different regulations for security reasons. And then someone, and you know, luckily in my markets, I don't have to compete with Airbnb. 
Gotcha. Because okay. my hotel is like in El Reno, Oklahoma. Like, there's not an Airbnb. There's not yeah, even yeah. Uber or Lyft there. And so. as somebody who travels a lot, I have come to actually not like Airbnbs. People are starting to. I want the convenience of you being open at any time of day, and I don't have to worry about, you know, and you don't have to clean by. up. Right, and you don't have to clean up. I've been hearing a lot of horror stories where people have to clean up. Somebody even said they had to cut grass at that. I'm like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> not you whoa, cutting grass that's at a lot Airbnb. of work. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. Who should be the person who would invest in a multifamily unit? Versus an Airbnb versus a hotel. Wow. Okay. So the person who would invest in a multifamily would be someone that is more, they like more of that consistent income is more of a conservative return. Um, And the reason why, because multifamily typically they have leases from what, six to nine to 12 months. Yeah. So, you know, it's guaranteed income coming in, right? It's easier to get lending for it. Um, it's sometimes it's harder to buy multifamily because it's saturated. You know, a lot of people, they just, they just go into multifamily from residential, um, Airbnb units or short-term rental units. Um, typically you, you, in order for you to really make a lot of money, you have to have a lot of different units. Okay. Um, so people sometimes with short-term rentals, they like the income coming in, like they like the cash flow coming in. Um, you have to have systems in, in place in order to do it. So, the people that does Airbnb is like, you know, if they, they, they buy a house or rent a house or what is it called? Arbitrage or whatever. Yeah. And they just like that, that instant quick cash flow mm. that's coming in. Is and, it like significantly more lucrative than like a multifamily? Well, the reason why short-term rentals and multifamily is different because multifamily it's the same. It's the locked in price for 12 months. I see. Short-term rental or Airbnb, if the Super Bowl comes in, the 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 host can increase the price. Ah, I see, I see, I see. Multifamily, you just. But if it's the holidays, then you might be, you know, down. Short term rental, they can it can fluctuate. Maybe depending on that market or that Airbnb unit during that week, they only get business travelers, so they can increase the rate. And then on the weekend, they get more leisure, so they may want to decrease it. So it's that revenue Man. management company. Now let's talk. Now let's get to the hotel. Yeah. So a difference between someone who has multiple short-term rental units, it may be easier for them to probably not go with a branded hotel because they're so used to doing their own thing. So they don't understand. Because when you're buying into a franchise, when you're buying into a hotel, you're buying into a franchise. Okay. And so short-term rental, they're so used, the hosts are so used to being really creative and coming up with so many different revenue streams. Whereas as opposed to a hotel, you're kind of confined. So you can't do some things that you would for short-term rental. So... But you're gonna make a whole lot more money on the hotel end than you will on the you can Airbnb and the, versus a it, you, multifamily. You can you can, and the reason why because with the hotel you're owning the land, you're owning the real estate, and you're owning the business. Ah. So let's say I buy, you know, let's say you buy a hotel, and then you're like, you know what? I don't want to be a hotel anymore. I want to be a student housing unit. That's fine as long as you can get a zone for it. You can convert. That to a student housing unit. Oh, okay. Because you own the land and you own the real estate. So you mm. just have to convert it and you just change the business model out. But if you have a a, a house that's a short-term rental unit, you may not be able to change it because it's probably zoned for residential only. So yeah. you don't have that flexibility. The multifamily, now you can convert a multifamily to a hotel or to an apartment complex. Um, but again, with the revenue it's, it's just the same revenue. It's just it's consistent. Just yeah, yeah. So yeah. it just really depends on your investment thesis and your investment appetite. Yeah. So a lot of times what people do, they diversify their portfolio and they'll have a multifamily and they'll have um, 
um, you know, apartments. Some people have short term. They just do whatever they can to diversify. So if you, had a, if you had a multifamily unit and you hate running it, right? I have some friends who like got into it, wanted to do it because of the, thought it would be lucrative. But they're like, oh my God, I don't like doing this. Does it mean you're not going to like the hotel business as well? So if you don't like it, if it's too much with the day-to-day, then you can bring in a management company. So okay. just like with the multifamily, just like if you have a short-term rental and with the hotel. So our three hotels, we have a management company that's running the day-to-day operations. It would be impossible for me to operate that hotel talking to you on this couch. I have three different hotels two, in three different locations across mm. two different states. I wouldn't be able to check in yes, every true. single guest. I wouldn't be able, if there's a maintenance issue, if there's a group coming in, a sales, like there's just no way I'll be able to handle that. And so no matter how much tech, technology in the world, you know, I wouldn't, so you would need a management company to operate a day-to-day operations. And then we have an asset manager who manages the manager. So tell me this. How did you get to the crowdfunding platform? Because to me, running a hotel already sounds complicated enough, right? And I'd be like, okay, I I co-own three hotels. I'm at a couple hundred thousand a year. I'm doing good. What made you want to go and get certified with FINRA and then deal with the SEC with the crowdfunding platform? And then like, and and I'm not making it sound bad at all because I think this is amazing. Um, But like, what was your line of thinking there? And then kind of what do you hope that it will be? The number one question I get all the time is, Kim, is Chromix available in stores? We have been saying no to every retailer for the last seven years that I've been in business. And we are finally going to be on store shelves, you guys. We are going to be available in Ulta. And I really need you guys to show up and buy us out so that we can blow up in the store and do well. Thank you so much for watching our podcast. And please make sure you go buy Chromix, now available in Ulta. So, Investor, how do you spell Vester? B-E-S-T-E-R-R. And typically, oh, my bad. I usually have on my Vesta shirt. I messed up on you the brand. you cute. Don't but worry But that's all right. It. You represent a little bit Vesta because you got purple. So oh, purple. So okay. we good. We got, we. Girl, this is not purple. Oh, it's not. It's periwinkle. There we go. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> it was a quick fix for me. It was a quick fix. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway. So um, how I actually came up with the Vesta, going back to that point when I was talking about raising capital for my first deal, um, it was hard to raise capital. Like I'm gonna say it was hard, but you you know this you Girl, can't you, you can't know, go I'm on. So- I'm gonna drink to that. You you can't go <laughs> on social media and be like, look, I got this hotel, and I'm gonna need y'all to give me some money. That's not how it worked because SCC will come, and I don't want to ever get him. I, I love the SEC, and I want to keep a really good relationship. I'm an attorney who works at the SEC, so you understand. Like, so yeah. anyway, but go ahead. So. And I was like, dang it, it's not. And then when I was, I was looking at this. Can you tell us what the SEC is? So the SEC stands for Security Exchange Commission. It essentially is a government entity and their job is to protect investors, right? Um, their job is to make sure that, you know, people like us who raise capital, that we're, we're in compliance and that we're, we're making sure that we're being, we're disclosing information, we're doing the things the right way. And they're just coming in and just auditing and making sure that, again, we're protecting the investors. And we're not taking advantage. We're not taking advantage of investors. Because there are some people, unfortunately, unfortunately. who take advantage of investors. And I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. So I took it as my approach is, you know, that hospitality in me. You know, you're a guest. So when you invest, you're a guest, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to make sure that you're taken care of. And so when I was raising capital, it was some, there was some, re- not all, I couldn't find a crowdfunding platform, one that um, took hotels or they, um, you had to be an accredited investor and accredited investor, someone who makes over 200,000 a year or have a net worth of a million dollars. And at that time I wasn't an accredited investor. So I couldn't even use some of the platforms. Then it was one platform but the experience wasn't the best. So I was like, 
then I found out I could do my own. So I was like, I'm going to do my own. Because after I raised the capital for my first deal, people were like, okay, Davon, you know, I missed that deal. Where can I go for the next one? And it wasn't a marketplace. And it was so, and I was like, okay, I got to figure out something. Because it was so many people that was coming at me from different angles that wanted to invest. Yeah. And that's when I thought of Vester. Um, Vester, it was a... Um, uh, a technology firm. So shout out to Marianne. They built, so we actually built our technology from scratch. So our oh, process wow. took That's a little amazing. longer. So we didn't license. Out. Some people, they build a crowdfunding platform and they license out the technology. We didn't license out the technology. We built our own technology. We had to get the technology approved um, by Fender. So now I'm venturing out of hotels and now I'm in the tech world. And this How tech long space. Is the, and I remember I'm asking this because if you're ever wanting to start your own crowdfunding platform, I went to go read the documentation about launching a regulation or regulation crowdfunding platform. How many pages was it? Wasn't it like a few hundred or something like that? It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, did you read all of it? I actually did. Of course. That's my girl. Woo, there we go. It was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. I don't, I don't memorize everything, but I did have to. You, I mean, who can remember, memorize 300 pages of legal jargon? But, but it's, it's, it's a lot. And um, so we, the time process, it took longer than I expected a lot because we built the technology. So, uh, but once we, we launched and, you know, we had, we had to get an escrow agent again, that FINRA process. Oh gosh, that was very stressful. Uh, but getting approved by Fender was great and then launching. And so now we've been here for a year to your point earlier. There's not a lot of, um, it's hard for people of color to get capital. Um, it's hard. There's not a lot of black owned crowdfunding platforms that are still here. So the fact that we're still here, we're working on, um, some deals now that are be going through compliance and, um, as we have hotels and, and retail and multifamily. So essentially I'm connecting the, the, the investor to the general partner or the limited partner to the general partner, because yes. not everybody, as you know, you know, you're the general partner in your deals. And so you need limited partners. Right. And yeah. not everybody want to put a hotel deal together or put a multifamily deal together. They may be like, you know what? I just want to deal and build my retail business and then just own curl mix. Like I don't want to develop a hotel. I just want my product in hotels, but gotcha. I don't want to develop it. So then as an investor, you can invest passively in a particular project. And I wanted to you know, take a moment to explain to people that. That is a good idea. What? You missed what I was saying. Curl mix and hotels. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think about it. Um, <laughs> uh, I like to stay in my lane. Um, but no, I was just thinking that I think it's important for people to understand the difference between real estate and a tech platform. Yeah. And the reason I'm saying this is because in fintech, the valuations on a fintech, well, let me say this, the valuations on a product company can be three to five times revenue. Mm -hmm. And depending on how much of a brand you have, it could be one or two times revenue if you don't have a good brand. Mm -hmm. If you have a good brand, it can be up three to, three to seven times revenue when you go to sell it, right? Mm -hmm. For fintech, it can be anywhere from 15 to 25x, whatever the revenue is. So that means if Davon does a million on her platform, her business can be worth $15 million. It means if you do 10 million, it can be 150 million. It depends. Now, I am, and you could tell me if you've seen this, but I am waiting to see an acquisition in the crowdfunding space. Oh, that's, that's you know. That, that way, if it's- There's been some, there's been some acquisitions or mergers, I think Cedars and Republic. So there, there've been some- Cedar, what is Cedar? Cedars, I think it's, I think, I think it was a Republic or Start Engine. I think either Republic or Start Engine, they merged, they, they merged with Cedars. Ah, is that like a real estate platform or something like it's that? It's not real estate. I haven't seen too many real estate. I've seen... Okay, you're first to market for what you're doing. Or not, you know, one of the first. So that means you got a little bit more time before you will see an acquisition. Yeah. But that's good, though. I'm excited for you. Because some fintech valuations, they'd be, they be nice. Um, which is why I was considering it. <laughs> I was 
like, now I see why people went taking that real estate. I get it now. Because uh, now real merging the valuations in real estate. Yeah. Uh, what, are the, what are the multiples in real estate? So hotels will look at it with a revenue multiple. So it could be a 3X, 4X. Um, sometimes when you in, invest in, um, in hotels or invest in real estate, so the valuation could be based off your what your investment, your ROI. Some people look for two X equity, two X multiple, meaning if I invest fifty thousand, I'll get a hundred thousand back once the pro- once the project is sold. So I have a question, and this is just me satisfying my own curiosity. Um, I thought that the best way to have a crowdfunding platform is to become a bank. So essentially, mm. you know, typically when founders come to crowdfunding, they either run out of money or they're about to run out of money and they don't have as much money, right? Or you're trying to fund a deal. Let's say I'm a platform, like I'm Vest or whatever. I believe you're going to be able to raise the money for your deal, but you just don't have it right now. So I foot the bill for the deal, charge you interest, and then I get paid on the back end as soon as you finish raising your money. Is that legal? Like, can you do that with the with FINRA and SEC? That I'm not sure. Okay. And I do know typically whatever you do, you have to disclose it. Gotcha. Okay. You have, to, and also it depends on how you're structured. So since I'm a Reg CF or regulation crowdfund, we would have to dis, we disclose what we're doing, which would be just strictly an equity raise. Okay. And what that sounds like, that could be part of like a, a debt raise. So mm. if it needs to be disclosed, and then Fenra needs to be aware of it, because a lot of times what people get in trouble with, they don't disclose what they're doing, and so the investors, so the investor may may not realize that the platform is funding the bill. Mm. until it actually get and they you know and that can cause some issues i see i see so it just needs to be disclosed and then of course finra um would we need to know okay so i have some lightning round questions for you okay okay do i need do i need to sit go oh, ahead girl do i need drink to sit? away need to drink away okay what is a belief about entrepreneurship that you once believed but you no longer do that is easy you thought it was easy yeah, because, you know, people are like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur and living this great life. They don't tell you. I think more and more now people are, like, being honest that entrepreneurship is hard. Mm-hmm. And more and more people are sharing journeys and being more honest and not just showing the end result. But now we're starting to see more of the beginning, the middle, and the mistakes. So when I started off being an entrepreneur, I didn't know that. Mm. And social media wasn't, it was big, but it's not as big as it is now, or at least I'm not involved in social media as I was before. And so now I just see more and more people telling the stories like, okay, this is hard. And my journey may be different. So our journeys are different. Yeah. Right. Everybody has a different journey and everybody has a different way of doing entrepreneurship. There's no right or wrong way of doing entrepreneurship. In a wrong way? I think it might be a wrong way. Well, you're right. Probably right on that. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Probably right on that. (laughs) You're actually right on that. Because a lot of times with people, they start being an entrepreneur and they don't want to listen and they think they know everybody. The SEC definitely says there's a wrong way. You are absolutely right. (laughs) You are right. Okay. You're right. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that back. So there's there, but there's different ways. How about that? There's different ways on becoming a hotel owner. There's different mm. ways becoming raising capital or becoming an entrepreneur. So like when I first started off, I wished I would have talked to more entrepreneurs more about the different ways of capital, like business capital. I mean, business credit, and I didn't know a lot of those different things. And, I see. Okay. And different ways of just being more capitalized and. And understanding so like cash, cash flow. flow. Yeah. Uh, because you come from the hotel industry, so you're focused on cash flow, which is not a bad thing, right? Like, you know, if you start out with debt, you start out in investments, you can go crazy. And then my bit. grandma was like, pay everything off in cash. So I didn't understand OPM. Uh, so to me, yeah. if I would have understood more of leverage and OPM, you know. So. What's a book you believe everyone should read? 
That's a good question. Um, there's so many books. Um, always oh, this one book I forgot the author. It's called, and this is for I think for anybody. Don't fuck up your startup. I think. Oh, I never heard of that book. Okay, or something like don't. Oops, sorry, I said the f bomb. But that's the name I mean, of the book. Look, it's like don't it's f your, up. It's your world. The f up. <laughs> oops, sorry. The f up. This. Uh, F, I think that's what it's called. That don't f up your startup. And I just read that book not too long ago, and I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have read that. You know, when I first got into the start, because essentially. A, a business is a startup. When you start up a business, mm-hmm. you know, it's technically a startup, right? Yeah. And so, but it's like, he talked about different mistakes that he made. He, he, he talked about the different mistakes that other companies made or startups made and how you need to pivot and how you need to talk to people. In the community. And a lot of times when people start their own business, they base it off themselves and they think that their business or their product or service is for everybody. Yeah. So I think people in the entrepreneurship world or people who are starting off, they should understand money and they should understand marketing. Okay. Yeah. What moment in your career do you would love to relive? When I first closed on my first hotel deal, I didn't, I wasn't present. For the moment and I didn't document my journey mm. I was just in it because I was like I just got to close because it was more sentimental for me because I said I wanted to close on a hotel before my grandma's birthday because I didn't get the chance to check her in before she passed away and so check her in my hotel and so November 6th uh, excuse me uh, February 6th 2021 was my deadline and we closed like on November 1st 2020 and so I didn't take a picture at the closing table. It was virtual because uh, it was COVID. So I was in the bank and my my little baby was running around and I'm trying to wire the money and all that stuff. And so, but I didn't take a picture. Like yeah. I didn't document and I wasn't, I was so worried about the next deal that I wasn't present, present for that moment. Like Davon, this happened. Like your goal is complete. Like, like you made history. Like, you know, so by the time it, got made went out to the world that I made history I was like oh but I'm I was raising capital for another deal right, you was on you was on to the next I was on to the on next to the so they're like uh, uh. you made history and I'm like I did like oh, okay you know not being present enough tell me something you said in entrepreneurship that you wish you hadn't oh gosh there's a lot of stuff <laughs> look I tell my uh friends and family you know I got foot and mouth syndrome so I say all the wrong things all the time. All the time. I'm a, I don't, I'm a Gemini. So, hey, Gemini's, uh, you know, it just in our head and just whoops come out. So, um, I guess the same thing for them. So I just, I, I, I don't know. I say, I, I'm just going to say, I don't know. Cause I say so many things. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, is there anything you want to leave the people with? I would say believe in yourself. Um, do not compare your journey to anyone else's journey. And whatever you do, focus. Um, I think it's so much out of here. It's so many things going on in so many different disciplines and so many different products and services and so many ways that you can become an entrepreneur, even like buying a hotel. That's mm-hmm. becoming an entrepreneur because you're buying into a franchise. Which, And um, I think if people just focus on one thing at a time and master it, and, and that's something that I had to learn too. Mm-hmm. master one thing at a time. And once you perfect it and once you really make some money, automate it. And then you can move on to the next yeah. thing instead of just people. They want to be a jack of all trades and they just want to do all this stuff. And it's like, what is it like throwing spaghetti at the wall? I'm hoping <laughs> something works. No, just focus on 
one thing at a time. Like I'm sure you're, you've been extremely successful. Well, you are extremely successful because you focused on one thing at one time. Right. Mm. And now once you realize like, well, thank you, you know, extremely successful. That, that's a high compliment. You that's, are I don't successful. know. I don't I mean, know. You are, you are, you have an amazing story. And so, but you, once you realize, okay, this isn't working. You, I'm pretty sure there's been plenty of times where you all over the place, but once you was zoning and you was like, you know what? I got to make this work. And so that's where I am. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, Devon, cause again, I'm be all over the place. I'm an entrepreneur and a Gemini. So it's just like, woo, just double all over the place. So now it's like, okay, you know, it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to be selfish. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to say no. Mm-hmm. And just enjoy life and be present. Well, you guys heard it here first. If you want to launch a deal for your next commercial real estate project, hotels, check out Vester. Uh, I can vouch for Davon. She, when I met her, she was applying for Venera and now she's has her platform and has done her first deals and stuff and doing more deals around currently. So I'm like, so impressed. Thank you. You know, very rarely do you meet people and they tell you they're working on something and then you come back a year later and they've done it. And it's like incredible. You're like, Oh my God, you did that. You did that. So congratulations, Davon. I appreciate that. All right, you guys, thank you so much for tuning into the More Rounds podcast. I'll see you guys in the next episode. And do not forget to pick up Curl Mix at Ulta, y'all, okay? Go and sell us out. All right, I'll I see y'all go, later. I have to go get some. Yes, girl. Now since it's in person, I have to buy it online. I oh, can please. get it from you. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>